Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Don, what's going on? Uh, not a ton. We um, had a conversation with my team yesterday uh, at Construction Specialties, and, and we're, we're, we're back in that same cycle of uh, they, they, they wanted to change the workflow of what they were doing. Um, so they, the two of them put together what they wanted to do and they came to me, they said, can we do it? I'm like, well, you guys are the ones doing the majority of the work. Go ahead. <laughs> um, you, you, you can dictate your own workflow. But then they said, we know we'd been talking about building this thing that the technicians would be able to see their, their work orders better. How far are we on that? And I, and my response was, we're not very far. Um, but then they said the one number one thing we need them to see is their schedule. We need them to be able to see when we've discussed getting a work order done. And I've actually built 75% of that already um, over previous times. So um, I said, well, tell me what the number one thing you need done is. And that's what they identified was the ability for each technician to be able to see their schedule relatively easily. <clears throat> And with that much of it built, it's not not that difficult to finish that small piece up. I'm not going to spend a, a lot of time on it. Uh, it's not going to look pretty. It's just going to be functional. Um, but that was the main thing they wanted changed was the ability to help the technicians see when work orders were due. So that's what I've been working on. How about you? Oh, I thought I was not going to work on JavaScript for the next year or two. And... <laughs> I'm back in the thick of it. Um, it's interesting because we, my team is, we talked about this before, maybe, maybe on this old app. Um, my team is go is service oriented architecture, go focused on the tools, but we do need a front end interface for one of them. And we aren't using like, anything built for our team before was by a developer no longer on the team and they did a good job. It's very simple, but it's not maintainable with, by a team standard, by yeah. a testing and quality and deployment and CI standard. So I'm, I've been, I'm already jumping back into the thick of JavaScript and the great thing, again, when people ask me, so how's a new gig? I'm My first thing in my mouth is really like the people, really like how the team is organized. And I have reached out to two, you know, sections of the overall engineering team to say, hey, I'm gonna, we're looking at going down this path. What are your thoughts? And we just, we get, I don't know, we get buy-in and help immediately. And it's not... It's not like people are protecting fiefdoms or they need to have their say on anything. It's more of like, how can we help you? So it that that's been um, really nice. But yeah, I am able. I'm already back in the whole JavaScript um, world, and the other folks on my team are skeptical of JavaScript, as they should be. JavaScript has earned its scorn, without a doubt. But I'm like, hey, I'm going to teach this. I'm, we're going to work on this together. I'm going to teach it. And all of a sudden, the attitude was, okay, we, we're happy to learn it. We'd like to learn new things. So 
looks like I'm going to be doing what I've been doing to some degree and um, incorporating that in with everything else. So that's what, been what, my... what part are you, what part are you incorporating in? Is it front end like a view or a react or is it back in like a node? Oh, a front end uh, back okay. end is anything we would do back end would be go. Yeah. Or I figured. Rails. yeah. But this is more of a single page app type of build. And most of, the path that we're going down at the company is React okay. and using a kind of a shared component library and stuff like that. And so I want to jump on board with them to contribute to that and to be utilizing. I'll, and basically what I said to people on the team was my number one goal here is that if I ask you to help us, that you don't come in, look at our code and go, what the F are you doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> And and so when I when I presented it that way, people are like, "Yeah, we dig that." So it was, it's been cool though. Um, I've worked at other places where if I had, I were I've worked at other places where if I had said, "Hey, we're going to do a front end," they'd be like, "You're not supposed to do that. Only we do that." <laughs> and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And so that's not at all like it was just really good productive conversations that. I feel like our team is going to move forward and do build on, build something that we can all enjoy working on. Um, as opposed to, Oh yeah, we've got that JavaScript stuff that we have to, we hate working on. That's the, right. how we want. So that's been pretty much my focus this week. And, uh, but there's another aspect that I guess leads into our episode we so far the authentication of our apps here are i would say we're outsourcing it to google that's all for our internal stuff and i've built all sorts of apps throughout my career um i used drupal for authentication because i didn't want to build my own yep i built i built my own before that and it was just clear text, username, password, and a database. I didn't know what I was doing. It was horribly insecure. I knew it was insecure, but I didn't know how to get around it. That was like 20 years ago. Then I went to Drupal. Drupal had a user system that was just built in, and I loved using it. I moved to Rails. I used the device gem, and that was beautiful. You installed it. There was a pretty well-respected group of open source people working on it. Um, it. It took care of everything for a user experience of recovering passwords, making sure that you can enforce password rules and that good stuff. And so, and then now I'm in the JavaScript world and there's tools like, um, what's the name of that one? There's a pa certain package that people use a lot that, allows you to kind of get integrated um, device-like authentication going. Is it Passport? Passport, yeah. Yeah. And so I've always, so my thing has always been to utilize those packages, but we're in a day and age where like just last week, a person hacked Cap Capital One was yeah. it? And then bragged about it like an idiot and then got caught immediately. But 
a random person that was too stupid to cover their tracks hacking was able to hack a bank. Yeah. And I'm like, I think I've matured past the point where I should be doing this stuff. And so the question today is build versus buy on authentication. Right. Because there's two options I know of right now. Okta, O-K-T-A. Right. They bought a, a company called Stormwatch. And auth zero and i don't like i am not a master of authentication i did there's so many ways that people authenticate that i still don't really know what it's talking about or what it's doing so one of them is called saml s-a-m-l i think sure yeah. um if i'm even saying that right no idea what it is but i know it's come up in enterprise talk before single sign-on I've talked to, I've been working with startups and they talk to enterprise companies and enterprise companies go, first question out of their mouths, do you do single sign-on? And the idea is that, can we use your app, but you use our authentication platform to verify users and stuff? Sure. So the question is, even at the startup level, does it make sense to get out of the authentication authorization game? Yeah. Uh, so coming, just coming from my standpoint and I haven't dove into the buy a lot, I'll, I'll start on the build side. Um, there, there, there are positives to doing it yourself as long as you're using, um, well-maintained packages, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, part of the argument over open source is that open source is more secure because everyone can see what's in it and, and there's no back doors or anything to that effect. Yeah. Um, whereas the if, if you were to buy, it's a black box um, and you're trusting that one company to get it right. Um, that's my first argument for, for build. So talk a little bit about the buy side. Well, I think the buy side, when you say you're trusting that company to do it right, I would think that I trust auth zero and Okta to get it right more than I trust the best developer on my team. That's fair. Mainly, not because of the aptitude of the developer, but because it's one person, because they're going to have other demands on them other than security. Like that's, it's really hard to put that burden on one person when you consider that Okta and Auth0 have, are pouring millions of dollars in, with multiple engineers to do that, to solve that same problem and to protect those, those assets and the, that, that level of, uh, keeping the door locked kind of thing. So on the buy side, though, it's not cheap. Um, when you, once you start scaling users and backends, like, as I understand it with Auth0, you can create, let's say you're doing a startup, and that startup application needed to interact with the backend for let's, a big client. 
we'll call it you know Acme Company. Sure. So you've got Acme Company. You've got the users that are just by like you know logging in themselves that you have procured. You've got maybe two Acme companies. One of them uses SAML. One of them uses Active Directory. Is that the Microsoft thing? Yes. You have the you have the ability to say, "Hey, um, I want this account on Auth0 to be able to, to authenticate against my own database, Acme Company's SAML installation, and Acme 2's Active Directory." So you're able to to create a system that allows for multiple, like one point of login, but three different domains to authenticate with. And that to me is pretty powerful. You're right. only dealing with one login screen. It's it's a drop-in plugin with JavaScript on that level. Um, it will take care of all of the, you know, it's a, it's a really big deal that you provide users with the ability to do two-factor auth, with that you provide users the ability to do recover their passwords on their own, so you're not getting, you're not looking at password recovery as a big support cost. Um, the ability to shut accounts off really quick if you find out they've been hacked, um, all that kind of stuff to prevent uh, brute force hacking, uh, you know, all that. Or, you know, we know brute force is uh, where people flood a bunch of options into a um, to a login screen. But there's also a million techniques that hackers are using that are that we don't know how to protect. Like brute force is just one of them that we know about. So to me, you need one or two people on your own team to really get it right especially at least more than one. And that's a lot of money. So my thought is if you turn around and you out, you get the outsourced um, at a much lower cost than single employees or a single employee, then you're still, you're getting a lot for your money in that case. That's kind of my leaning on it, but I've, I've never done it though. I've never worked with Auth0 or Okta to actually say, this is what you should do. So, so I'll, I'll ask, ask the stupid question. It, it, it sounds to me like you're saying, if I just plug in Auth0, they have to do all the hard work of, of providing me the plugin. Um, I don't know, but what Passport isn't similar in that you, you configure Passport and you, I, as far as I know, you can't configure Passport in an insecure way and have it work. So the only way it would work is if it was secure. And that's, well, that's my very, very limited work with Passport backing that statement up. But that's my understanding. Uh, if I remember right, Auth0 is a major contributor to Passport. I don't know that to be true. It's supported by Auth0. So they're part of sure. Passport. Um, I do think you're right on that. Yes, you can, you can definitely make the argument that using open source, like I use Devise, that you use 
or that you could use Passport is enough. You're using an outsourced version of authentication or authentication tool there. But my thing is more at the product level, at, the, at a company that is beyond the scope of we're testing out an app. Yeah. I feel like like the whole authentication process goes through from the user logs in, the user creates an account to the persistence of the data that, that you're storing. And in some ways, I don't like it is damaging to a business to get to have that press release around we lost multiple millions of user accounts and their credential data. Oh no, that'll kill a startup for sure. It'll definitely kill someone in the healthcare space or the education space. But the yeah. but I, I and basically I'm saying is I don't want to even store the most of that that credential related stuff. Like with these systems, you still in a way need to to store your user um, profile, first name, last name, any demographic information, that kind of thing. But the idea that I would have to say, well, our database got cracked. So your username, email, password, credit card data, whatever it went along with it. Like I don't want to store credit card information. I'd outsource that immediately in a, to a Stripe or a square or a, oh, a for sure. brain or to a brain tree. Credential data to me is the same thing. I don't, I'm, I'm not looking to become a professional in the security realm. I need to have security. I can't afford the team that is security focused. So I'm just saying that that's where I start looking at Auth0 and Okta as a necessity in that case. So we, we've had discussion around buy versus build multiple times, uh, especially when it comes to like servers um, and using Heroku. So wh where, where I hear you framing the argument is similar in that you believe that using Auth0 allows you to pay on a monthly basis to have, to, to have that security team. Yeah. Um, the software itself, if I understand your argument correctly, the software itself isn't necessarily significantly better than Passport. It's more the team behind it and the support behind it that, that you're paying for and that, that gives you that level of comfort. Is that fair? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I, I, I can buy that argument because I, 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 I sell that argument for Heroku all the time. Yeah. Um, so I, I can certainly buy that argument. And looking at looking at the price for Auth0, if we if we use the Developer Pro Edition, um, which gives you Active Directory, which just about everybody's going to want at a decent size level, um, if you get up to it, it's roughly twenty cent, you know, ten to twenty cents a user per mm. month. It. it the number itself might be a little big because if you're looking at just a thousand users, it's a hundred and eighty-five dollars a month, which isn't, which is not a small chunk of change for for a startup. Yeah. Um, but if you're able to break that down to per user, that's still only eighteen point five cents per user per year. So that's roughly two dollars a year. Um, now it depends on how much you're selling your product for. 
Yeah. Um, whether it can support $2 a year of security um, or not. Um, but the price, the price is the price. I, and, and what you're buying is that, that peace of mind, that support behind it. But also think about it too, to your point on Heroku, if you sell to enterprise firms, you're filling out the audit. You're filling out that, that document about what yep. tech do you use? What level of security do you have? I would much rather copy and paste answers from Auth0 or Okta into that form than I would want to say, oh, this is what my developer part-time did. Mm. I'm not I'm not willing to buy that argument as much because I think anything you copy in from from Auth0 or Okta, you can get elsewhere as well for, for the open source solutions. Okay. Because at the end of the day, you're you're it, a plugin's a plugin, and all zeros a plugin, and passports a plugin, and passport probably is not storing any. If if you're doing it the right way, and and right way being in quotes because it's what I say the right way is, hmm. I wouldn't be storing usernames and passwords on my site. I'd I'd want them to be using single sign-on. I'd want to be piggybacking off of Twitter, Google, yeah. Microsoft, something else. Let and, and so in that way, I'm outsourcing that piece of it to somebody else. I'm just not paying for it on the passports. Yeah. The other but side I, of I it. I agree with you there. I like to me, two-factor auth is only growing. Yeah, more and more and more sites are asking for it. And I'll be honest, it bl- it, br- it breaks my brain to think about having to work on that on my own. Yeah, like it may be not that hard, but I'm just like an- yet another layer of authentication I have to handle, and to have that as a built-in feature is very attractive, rather than having to actually have a sprint or a epic on my own team to be like, okay, we're going to add two factor auth. Let's go through product building around that. Yeah. It's more of, I just like get the budget for it, turn it on, on off the zero. Let's go like that's or Okta or whatever. Like, and I'm not even advocating Okta or auth zero. Um, in the sense of I've used it and I can vouch for them. It's more of they're just the biggest names I know of in this space. Yeah, so and, can... and that makes sense. And to be to be completely transparent for Aspire to you, we we don't even do anything but pass along the authentication and the uh, authorization to Canvas or to the LMS we're using. We tie into theirs. Um, so, so it's not like we do a whole lot. We, they're the ones that have all the user IDs. They're the ones that have all the passwords. We just have a tie-in to, to use their system to use what's called the LTI standard to sit inside their application as a quote plugin. Yeah. Um, so we've already outsourced it, but we outsourced it for free. Um, so I, that that that's where my argument comes from is I haven't had to fight this battle from the if I'm building a startup am I willing to pay 
20 cents a user a month for it. Um, but is that something that you won't know that you need to do until you get hacked? Like, but I guess the question is, is the value in this conversation that you're that you are you're putting a fortress around the app before you need it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, that's that's where authentication is. Is, is you've got to be <laughs> you're building something in the hopes that it never becomes the problem. Um, essentially. Yeah. The other the, 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 the other part of this is is the whole GDPR um, discussion and what they require you do with users. And again, I would believe that the open source solutions handle it as well, but it's it's absolutely an issue where GDPR itself, one of its major things is the, the right for a user to say, I want all my data, first off. And mm -hmm. second off, I want the right to be deleted. Um, and if you're using a passport, you're going to have to do a lot of that yourself. If you're using an outsourced, that sounds like, based on what I'm seeing, there's a lot that they'll do for you um, for that. I don't trust open source on that level, to be honest. On which like, level? On the GDPR. I would um, agree. I'll, I'll agree with you on that, although I'll, I'll back that up for a second. When we're talking about really big packages, okay, Passport, Drupal, WordPress, you know, all, all these big open source projects that are enterprise level projects, they have to solve that problem. They have to, and they have to solve it with experts. But they, they don't have they to solve it. They don't have to publish that work. Um, they have to make it available to everybody. They they have to make the solution available to everybody. Hmm. What do you mean? That doesn't make any sense. All right. So so let me so so we'll we'll take a Drupal for example. Year ago, GDPR comes out, and and I'm speaking completely off the top of my head, and having done no research into <laughs> Drupal and GDPR, so I'm using Drupal as an example, which may be completely invalid. Um, my expectation is that they had a response to it, saying, "Here are the requirements for GDPR. Here's how you can execute it in Drupal. Here's how you can execute those things in Drupal," and that that would apply for all the enterprise level um, projects. And I'm, yeah. I, I, I just Googled GDPR and Drupal to see what came up. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's, if there's not a disclaimer that says we are not lawyers, consult your own lawyers to know if what we're giving you is actually suffices. Like I don't open source in, a, in the law you know, GDPR is a policy of law is not the same thing as open source and solve a task, handle a problem, build a service. So okay. I think my I think my argument there is I can I I can assume I would I will assume that open source folks are attempting to 
to address GDPR. I do not trust that they will solve it for where I live, for that they'll meet the standard that California has, that Europe has, that I'm where I am. Um, I'm just not going to bet on that myself. But, but and, and I think this is just where we're going to disagree. Mm-hmm. Enterprise level projects have lawyers. They've got whole foundations that that pay for the lawyers. Yeah. So they they know what they have to do. Now, I, I just real briefly looking at it, there's a GDPR um, module pack for Drupal that you can install. And I will re- read this paragraph and that'll kind of tell you where it aims, where it sits. Installing and using this module pack does not mean your site becomes GDPR compliant. GDPR affects the whole organization. This module aims to help to understand its Drupal relations and tries to provide helper tools to make your site GDPR compliant. So that is exactly the kind of statement I expected, which is here's the tool. Yeah. You've got to figure out how to use it. And, and I think an auth zero would be the same way as here's here, we're now GDPR compliant, but that you also have to fix your own organization. Now that said, you may get more help from an auth zero because you're paying for support. So we're back to that same statement. Yeah. Um, but uh, that that's that's where I that's where I land on it, and I, I think we're going to land on slightly different sides. Yeah, I mean, for me, I know that there's a question. Like the bill versus buy is the most common issue that all growing companies face when they, yeah. as they expand, and. I feel like this is one area authentication is the area where I want someone to prove that buy is not the right, that buy is overdoing it. And and I just don't, it's the first thing I would buy. It's the okay. first thing now that I, I would. No, do. it's not the first thing. It's the second thing. Cause the first thing you're going to buy is Heroku. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I I agree. If if the money's there, if you're funded, yes. Why why you'd want to do this just to protect that that incubate incubator stage of, and I'm not using incubator incubator as a as a startup term, but like an yeah. egg. Just yeah. you're you're in that stage where you're so vulnerable. Um, you need to, you need to protect everything you can. The best way to do that is get all the help you can. And the best way to get all the help you can is to buy it. Um, so I, I, I agree with you there. There, there literally is a build versus buy guide to evaluating identity management on the auth.zero site. There's a 22 page white paper. Um, <laughs> now there's so, a side, there is a side of this I want to address because yeah. I've seen firms do it poorly and I think it's really a bad choice to do it this way to be, and this is about being lazy about using the external auth. And what I mean by that is one, do not let your user base know that you're using auth zero. Sure. Like. Right now, Pantheon, we talked about Pantheon as a terrific platform for Drupal hosting. I think it's ter- awesome, still do. 
but I know that they use Auth0 because of maybe the logo popped up or I saw a URL or something related to it. Like, do not do it in a plug it in and, and let it go fashion to the extent of you should mask it. You should white label it. You should make sure that it is not clear as day that you're using Auth0. Unless you're and, using it as a badge of security. Yeah, that's not how they were doing it, though. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, it, it, it was more of just, I know that they put a small team on it. It was costing them a lot of money, and they probably just plugged it in, and it works, but it's not seamless. Like, it really should feel seamless. There's still So I guess what I'm really saying is there is a marketing component um, in terms of what image is presented to the user. So that's user interface. And there's a UX component, the user experience. Make it as seamless as possible so that all I know is I'm logging into an application that your company, of your app, your company. And I can't just, I don't feel like there's this two-step process of, oh, I'm going to log in with all zero. Now I'm in the app. Yeah. And I feel like that's missed by a lot of companies. Um, and I think it's very important to, yes, you're using an external service. Yes, you're outsourcing all that stuff. But you still, it still behooves you to have a developer on your team that understands the API that is being provided by that Auth0 Octo solution and is able to present it and give a user experience that really just looks like just yourcompany.com. Yeah. And, it, both it, are, and they provide that, but you have to do work to do it. Yeah. And, and what a security professional would probably argue with me using this term. Um, but, to me, that's almost like you're reduce you're you're removing an attack surface. That's that's one of the terms they like to use. Mm -hmm. um, is is an attack surface. You're not really removing the attack surface. You're obfuscating it by yeah. by making it not obvious that you're doing all the zero. Um, that means that they have to try many more things um, than just go okay. We we know we only have to solve the all zero problem as opposed to having to solve an unknown problem. Um, yeah. so I agree with you there. So what is your take? This is a slightly deviation. I'm now down the road of not supporting <clears throat> Twitter, Facebook, Google logins anymore. Like I don't want, if I'm building an app and usually the product team, this is not where I work now, but usually yeah. the startups I've worked at are all like, we definitely need to have Facebook login. We definitely need Twitter login. And I'm, I've been hesitating with those folks in the past. I would be like, do you want to associate your app with that brand? Because we're getting, for the first time in 20 years since the launch of the internet on a, on a commercialized user level side, we're now talking about monopolies. We're talking about trust busting. We're talking about abuse of um, power amongst the big, um, the big six or whatever firms. Yeah. 
And I'm starting to move into that um, realm where I don't really want a company that's getting bashed over the head with privacy concerns and abuse to be, to have the keys to to the front door of my app. Yeah, uh, my, my reaction to that would be, would be there's a line and I'm not sure where the line is. Um, I would probably want to shy away from social. So I want to shy away from a Facebook or a Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I want to shy away from a Google slash Gmail? I'm not sure I do. Um, I would shy away from a LinkedIn because that's still social, maybe professional, but still social. Yeah. Um, LinkedIn is owned by Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I wouldn't shy away from a Microsoft necessarily. Um, I would, I would shy away from the social ones. Like I'm looking at Auth zero's list of all the different ones you can use. Um, you can use Apple and, and I'm just going to throw out, you know, five of them to give you the wide variety. You can use Apple, you can use, um, SoundCloud. Hmm. You you can use Instagram. (laughs) Um, you can use Twitter and you can use Salesforce. So that that's a wide variety there. Some of those I'd be like, yeah, I'm probably okay with that. Um, and some I'm like, I, I, I give it'd have to be a very specific use case for me to use SoundCloud. Yeah. Um, I, w- I wouldn't use that. <laughs> so I, 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 can, I, I agree with you for the most part. I just, it, it, it's probably up to each individual person, which ones they would include and not include. Yeah, I I guess my thing is I'm not saying that it's great on the security level better than Facebook, but I just there's a brand and responsibility that even Microsoft, I'm just kind of hesitant that I need this third party even though I'm out, even though I'm outsourcing the auth i don't want to bring in google and microsoft who have a history of abuse to be representative of this is how this is who we lean on for our auth you know OAuth and, that, implementation. and that's that that's a trade-off between ease of use yeah and 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 your your company's personal direction right Um, for ease of use, you're going to want to include some of those things. I personally would never include a Facebook sign-in on any app I do, period. Mm -hmm. Um, Would I include Microsoft? Yes. Would I include Google? Yes. Um, But Facebook's a hard no for me. Um, As much as I dislike Apple, Apple would probably be a yes. Um, Just because (laughs) I know it's so... It's so prevalent and I'm putting all of this statement in quotes just so I can get through my disdain. Apple is known for being security conscious there. I said it, now we can move on. Well, I'll, but here's the thing as a person that is, has worked on trying to develop an app on Apple on Mac, on MacBook, their two factor auth approach is completely unreasonable because they require 
an Apple device. Yes. Yes. I wouldn't go with it right near that with a 10 foot pole. I would not put my users in that in any scenario that Apple came up with. If they can't fix their own 2FA solution outside of their own hardware, I refuse to to work with that login system for any application I build. It's it's completely unreasonable. And I have a crap ton of of Apple devices around me. And it was, I got stuck in a really bad spot once where I could not log in for something for 24 hours because of their, the way that they do it. Well, and I've seen other people, I've other seen other qualified people online complain about it. So we had, we had a, we had a therapy session 14 months ago when I was trying to do something that required Apple login required. And, and, and I completely agree with you. Yeah. So yeah, I, uh, but me, as but as an option, not as a sole way of in, yeah. of logging in. As an option, I'd allow it, but not my sole way of logging. There's no yeah. way in hell. <laughs> so anyway, those are the things I consider. Um, I don't like there's not a magic yes to it, but <laughs> of all of the buy versus build arguments, this is the one where buy to me is a is a much easier choice in my mind. Yeah, I, I, I would agree that this goes right up there with the server discussion as far as buy versus build. Yeah. Um as far as getting the the backing of an actual company. So I, I I agree with you. I don't know that I if my company has the funding to do it, I do I would do it. Every company I've worked with has not been a funded company; has been bootstrapped, and then yeah. it becomes a much harder conversation. Yep. Cool. All right, that's a good one. Yep. What are you What are you up to the rest of the week? JavaScript. I think that's my <laughs> on the on the work side, JavaScript and working within the confines of um, teaching the team and what the company um, can overall support. And then on the personal side, man, looks things I'm going to do: golf, tennis, boat, <laughs> swim. Um, the summer is, is still August. Like to me. I don't know about students and people in school. I think they've got two weeks left, but I've got four and I'm going to max it out. So yeah, you're not in Chicago anymore. So you got, you got a few more, uh, a few more weeks of, of summer and, and fall than you would in Chicago. Grilling. Oh man. (laughs) The grill is out. We are using it. It's great. So yeah, I'm, uh, that's, that's what I've got going on. What about yeah, you? Uh, headed to a uh, officiating clinic this weekend, local officiating clinic. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna get 150 football officials into a room and discuss how we can screw your team, specifically you, <laughs> listener. <laughs> well, fa- they're fantasy teams. It's really we're in the if, day if and you, age. If, hey, if you have a fantasy high school football league, you've got a problem. <laughs> well, I, I would think that the tie, if you were going to a conference now, the, the whole theme of the conference is gambling is legal. How can we ruin this too? That's <laughs> that's what I would think. 
But I mean, this has got to be a busy year for getting people ready for all the levels of, I mean, football is a the big sport and I would imagine that August is a huge month of setup and prepping and practice and all that good stuff for that. Yeah, area. It, it, it certainly is. It, you know, it's, it's the, it's probably the most intense month there is in the year. Um, simply because of all the major sports, football is one of the few that has a set season. Um, yeah. Baseball, you got kids playing baseball year round. Soccer, you got kids playing soccer year round. Yeah, there are high school seasons, but and then college seasons, but you got them playing year round. There's not a lot of year round football anymore. It's usually yeah. all in the fall. Um, so, so yeah, had a few meetings over the past few weeks. It'll be fun. Cool. And so, and we'll be in Denver in September. Yep. We, sh- we should be able to record together. Yeah, we got, we'll have plenty of time. And, uh, but yeah, summer, still a lot of, lots of tech to talk about. That's what we'll do. Sounds good. All right. Well, have a great day. Yep. Later. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think Podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week. We'll be right back.